I am preaching a message that I have entitled The Requirements of Faith. Now, faith, you know, faith is, uh, can I just say a statement this morning that, that may not rock your world, but I think it needs to be reiterated more and more and more uh, in these days that we're living in, is this, we need faith. Come on. We, we, we present ourselves as a church of faith, as a people of faith. Uh, but, but really, we don't really know what we're made of until the rubber hits the road. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and so it's good, to, it's good to declare faith. It's good to be labeled as a person of faith. You know, what's the other options? Pastor Mike says this all the time. You want to be a person of fear? Right? It's like some people label us as, oh, you're that faith church. Like it's an insult. And it's like, thanks for noticing. <laughs> Thank you, you know. And, and, and the same people that would want to insult us from time to time as labeling us the faith church will sheepishly come to us when they need a building and they go, hey, how did you guys do this? And, and you know what our answer is? By faith. <laughs> By faith, brother. Uh, by faith, sister, by faith, this is how these building right here, this building that we're sitting in currently was built. It was built by faith. And, and the legacy that we're, 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 we're wanting to leave behind is one of faith. And so I don't know about you, but I understand that we talk a lot of faith. And, and, and it's one thing to talk a lot of faith, and I love talking about faith, and I love when I see faith in action, but it's a whole other ballgame when we set ourselves out to actually live by faith. And this is what I've been noticing, is that sometimes we can become guilty of, of living in moments of faith. You know what I'm talking about? Like, we're cool, we're kosher, everything is going well, and then other, all of a sudden there's a blip in the radar. There's a bump in the road. And that's like when we're like, all of a sudden, it's like engage faith. Right? Get to prayer meetings. Uh, show up before church for pre-service prayer. Make sure we meet with, and we start doing all the things. But what if we lived by faith on a minute-by-minute basis? What if we never let go of faith? What would our lives look like? Would it be different than the kind of life that we're living right now? And if you can say no, well then congratulations. Uh, I want to say you've made it, but I know that there's way more to learn and there's way more to do. Come on. And so we got to learn how to live by faith. And so I started looking at different stories in the Bible, and, and I began to realize that without faith, we can't even start our journey with Jesus. Like, if you understand, some people say, well, I just don't have that much faith. And I would challenge them on that because faith is the foundation of our relationship with Jesus. Ephesians actually says it this way, for by grace you have been saved through, come on church, faith. We've been saved by faith. Faith is the entrance into relationship with Jesus. And so we come by faith, and at the end of every service that we have here at Capital City Church, we take a moment to, uh, to allow for an invitation to go out for those that maybe have never made Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And at that moment, what is required of you and I, it's not our good works, it's not our good deeds, it's not the fact that we went one week without swearing that is going to save us, it's not one week going without being angry that's going to save us, but we're saved by our faith in Jesus. So we can't even start our relationship with Jesus without faith. And so I started thinking about it. Well, well, what else is faith used for? What else is needed uh, with faith? And so I started thinking about it, and I was like, well, wait a second. Every day when we meet together, we have an opportunity for people to come up to receive prayer. And a lot of the times, the prayer that is needed is a prayer of healing. And I'm like, well, wait a second. 
how is healing activated? Come on, somebody, how is it activated? By faith. And I'm like, okay, well, wait a second. I can't have a relationship with Jesus without faith. I can't get healed without faith. I remember the story of a mother who was crying out for her daughter's, uh, you know, deliverance. And this was a girl who was, was possessed and all sorts of things were happening. And, and, and there's a whole story that goes along with it. And, and, you know, she's bugging Jesus, like, come on, Jesus, please heal my daughter. And the disciples are like, you know, Jesus, shoo her away. Get rid of her. She's annoying. She's a pestilence. She's, 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 she's crashing in on our vibe here, you know, Jesus. And, and then Jesus finally talks to her and he says, listen, I, I, I've been called to the lost sheep of Israel, Right? And then it goes on, and then, she, and then all of a sudden dogs come in the conversation because dogs are in every conversation, aren't they? For if, you, if you're a dog person, somehow you always work it in there. And then and it goes, and she goes, well, you know, talking about dogs, he's like, listen, even the dogs get the crumbs that the masters drop. And all of a sudden, look what the Scripture says in Matthew 15, 20. It says, Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Great is your faith. The first shooing didn't get rid of her. The raising of the disciples' voices could not get rid of her. Even when Jesus was trying to explain that his mission didn't incorporate her into the plan, she did not give up. To the very point that Jesus threw his hands up in the air and said, Woman, great is your faith. Wow. So all of a sudden I begin to realize what's happening here. It says, let it be to you as you desire. And I don't know about you, but there are some desires in my heart. But I understand now that it's going to require faith. You know, another thing that I love about faith is that it makes the impossible things possible. And this is not just something that we sing about, although I love when we sing about it. And it's not just a preacher's favorite little cliche saying. But this is a reality for those who will believe. Those who will dare to step out in faith this day and say, God, I'm going to hold it to you. That you are who you say you are and you can do what you said you can do. But more than that, that you will do it. And you will do it in me. And you will do it in my family. And you will do it in my workplace. Lord, some of us, you'll do it in our bank accounts. Come on, somebody. Lord, you're going to do it in my body right now because you're my healer. And so I'm looking through Scripture, and I'm finding all sorts of Scriptures, but my favorite is found in Mark 9, 23, and it says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And so I ask you this morning, can you believe? More than that, can I ask you a deeper question is, will you dare to believe? Because I know a lot of you can believe. And I know a lot of you want to believe. But this morning, I think that we got to set ourselves in a place where we will believe. Where we stand on the firm foundation that is Jesus. The author and the perfecter of our faith. And we say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Do what you want in my life. I lay me down at the foot of the cross and I say, Lord, I am but clay. Lord, and you are the potter. Shape me into whatever it is that you would want me to be. Because I know this. I'm, I, I'm reaching the age now, um, and it's, it's an exciting age, but also it comes with challenges. And, and I understand that a lot, lot better than I used to understand that life is short. The Bible describes our life as a vapor. Poof, it's gone. 
I don't know about you, but I like taking hot showers. There's nothing that, like, if I'm feeling achy, breaky, or, you know, whatever, I jump in the shower. It's my cure-all. I just jump in the shower. I turn it as hot as, as the temperature will allow, as long as my, my body will allow me to take. And then all of a sudden, you know what happens is I get out of the shower, and poof, there's a vapor. Right? And it's weird. You can't see. You're scrubbing the mirror, checking yourself out, making sure you're good, all that kind of stuff, and vapor. But then the next minute, it's gone. And the Bible compares our life to but a vapor. And it's short. And I begin to realize that I don't have time to waste anymore. I cannot allow time to just pass me by. Because the call of God upon our life, not only individually but corporately as a church, is too important to continue to waste time. And so I'm here to declare to you that whatever it is that you are believing for, if you will stand and then stand some more and continue to believe God, He is able and willing and will do it in you and do it through you. And so I don't know about you, but I'm excited. Because it's like, it's like a, a resurgence of faith is rising up in this place. And I think it's the fact that we recognize that maybe if you're like me, I feel like not particularly wholeheartedly, but I think in some areas the last three years have kind of been a waste. Like we weren't allowed to get together. When I can't see your beautiful faces every Sunday morning, I feel odd. I feel weird. I feel like something's missing. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, things are happening and discouragements are coming in waves and now you can't see your family and now you can't do this and now you can't do that. And all of a sudden, they, like, they let us free and now I'm like, okay, whatever you meant for evil, devil, God is turning it around for good. You tried to discourage me out of my faith, it didn't happen. I'm here declaring it even more so than I have before. You tried to wreck my family, it didn't happen. We're stronger than we've ever been. Come on, my finances might have taken a dip, but good news is I'm in covenant with God and he meets all of my need. So I'm not concerned about what's there or what's not there. My concern is keeping my eyes on Jesus. Whew. I haven't even started yet, Matthew. Matthew, if you feel the unction of the Holy Ghost upon you to give me some TV Jake's music kind of thing, you go for it. That's okay. And guess what, friends? As I continue to search, I found out that there's no other way to please God but by faith. <laughs> wow. So I'm beginning to realize that I've been in the house of faith for 20 years. This year is my 20-year anniversary of being a capital city church labeled as a house of faith. And all of a sudden, it's hit me like it's never hit me before. You can't please God without faith. But without faith, Hebrews says, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, how must he come? Must come believe that he is and that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. Do you have an understanding that when you diligently seek the Lord, he is a rewarder of it? Do you have a faith in God that when you put him first, he's able to do all things in you and through you and for you? You can't please him without faith. So you can't be saved without faith. You can't be healed without faith. Nothing, uh, you know, things become impossible without faith. And now you can't please him without faith. And look at this, my favorite. It's the way that we are to live on this earth. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, walking by faith, that sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds real good. I like the sound of it. I like the thought of it, the idea of it. And I think that all Christians want to walk by faith. 
We want to walk the path that God wants us to walk. And we want to trust in Him to provide for and to protect us. So just so I know what I'm dealing with this morning, how many of us here in this room would say, Pastor Brian, I want to walk by faith. Go ahead, just show me your hands if you want to walk by faith. Okay, you want to walk by faith. That's great. Then starting right now, we're all walking by faith. Sermon done, closer, come on up. Like, what? What? That would be fun, wouldn't it? Just, but in, in simplicity, really, that's all it takes. It's a decision that you can make today. And unfortunately, there's some people that might hear this message and still not want to walk by faith. They, I, I, for whatever reason, maybe it's scary. You know, when I came into the house of faith, it was all new to me. It was, it, it was, it was exciting, but it was also kind of like intimidating, right? And it's like, well, what happens if it doesn't happen? I remember the first time Pastor Mike was like, hey, Brian, I want you to pray for people. And I go, well, I didn't say this to him. I said, okay, good. Turned around and said, what happens if nothing happens? They're going to think I'm a fraud. They're going to think I don't got it going on. And then all of a sudden, this still, still quiet voice kind of whispered in my ear. like, what if it does? Well, what if it does? And then all of a sudden, I began to understand I'm not responsible for the results, but I am responsible to have faith. And so when I meet you at the front here and you come up for prayer, and I'm sure it's for the rest of the team who, who has a participation in prayer, I believe as though it's me believing. When I'm praying for you, I pray sometimes probably even harder than I pray for myself. Because I understood that it's going to take faith to move mountains in this house. And I understood it's by faith that it's going to take to see healings and miracles and breakthrough and deliverances. It's going to take faith. And so every Sunday that I come, I take time to prepare. I take time to prepare my heart. I take time to examine my life before God. God, if there's anything in me right now that would hinder the flow, that would hinder my faith, Lord, I ask you to remove it from me. I repent. I ask for forgiveness. I do a whole spiel. I get before the Lord say, Lord, people are coming today, and they need a miracle. And I don't want to be the one who impedes that miracle. Lord, I want to be the person that opens the door for the miracle to come through. So whatever you're going to do today, I know you're going to do it, Lord. So walking by faith, it sounds good. Walking by faith is what I have become to, to learn becomes an issue of trust. And it's probably the reason why God has had me focus on trust most of my preaching life. Because in a roundabout way, in developing the trust in my life and helping me understand what trust is and how to develop trust, he's been developing my faith. And he understood that, Brian, if you can trust me, if you can 100% wholeheartedly, without a shadow of a doubt of of, of uh, doubt, uh, I, I will lead you and I will guide you and I will use you in ways that people will just have their jaw wide open. And so I'm here to declare to you that walking today by faith becomes an issue of trust. And walking by faith means that we will do what God wants us to do, knowing and trusting that it is the best thing for us. And can I tell you that, church? That's the one of the biggest impediments to our faith is that we begin to think that we know better than God. Like I say, I say this all the time. When I graduated Bible school, you were there, Isabel. I was handsome and I had some promise, right? You don't answer the first part. You're married. <laughs> I, 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 had, I, had it, I had it, you know, going on. I, I was gung-ho for Jesus. I was able to grab a mic and preach. 
Um, I, I had learned a lot. I had a lot of promise. And God called me back to Ottawa. And you know the story. It was a wrestling match. Did not want to come back. I was in my mind and my heart. I was going west, which is where I was born. Or I was going to England, which is where I had spent some time in ministry and loved the culture and loved the people. Those were my two destinations, and God got all up in my plans and messed them all up. <sighs> to the point where you know the story, I tried to fast my way. I tried to use God's tactics on God. <laughs> I was fasting. <laughs> back then, I, didn't, I couldn't afford to fast. Well, I couldn't afford to eat back then, but I couldn't afford to fast either. I was so skinny mini. I know it's hard to believe, right? But the Lord's been good to me. Come on. So... Here we are. I'm trying to fast my way out of it. I'm trying to pray my way out of it. I'm seeking counsel from people that I think are going to agree with me. And, you know, the dean of the school said, Brian, you have a lot of potential, but you lack in discipline. Pastor Mike in Ottawa is going to fix you up. You think I wanted to come back? Come on. Couldn't find me. Made myself scarce. Every time he was around, I wasn't. That's how hard I was running from the call of God, but he knew best. He knew best. He knew that this is exactly where I had needed to be. This is exactly the place where I would have a culture and an atmosphere where I was allowed and permitted to use my gifts, to grow in my gifts under the, under the careful care and love of a pastor. Someone would help me become disciplined, and he did. It's, if you saw me show up and say, hey, Pastor Mike, I'm your new youth pastor, Y'all probably wouldn't have been like, first of all, are you saved? Second of all, are you sure this is the right church for you? Like, I, you know, come on. But here we are, 20 years later, preaching, declaring faith. And here's the thing. If you're like me, we have a tendency to want to know all things before we take a step of faith. I need to know all things about everything. Right? Like the men's barbecue, like if you're like me, I didn't put all the details because sometimes it's a lot of details. But as soon as that went up, I'm like, what are we eating? Right? What else are we going to be doing? Where is it going? What's happening? What's going on? What time should I leave? Is the traffic going to be bad that day? What's the weather saying about it? I need to know all things about it. I drive my wife crazy sometimes because I'm like this. I need to know the details. And I've had to learn that when it comes to my faith, sometimes it's a matter of just taking the step before you know all the details. Because if you knew all the details, my friends, it wouldn't be faith. It would be a calculated decision. You've weighed the pros versus the negatives, the cons for the benefits. You've done all your homework. You know everything, and now this is a calculated risk that you're stepping out. But that's not what faith is. Faith is believing that God is for you. Faith is believing that God wants you to succeed and has a plan that is so much better than the one that you could put together, but it's going to take trust because sometimes the way to God's plan, it's hairy. It's scary. Sometimes it's merry. Come on, I'm just going to keep going and rhyming here all morning. And sometimes it's not what we think it should be. And sometimes it looks a lot harder than what we're willing to put out there. But I have learned in the process that if I trust God, I always come out on the other side better than I went into it. And so I might hit a little bumps, but I've got faith. And guess what? I've got the grace of God upon my life, and I have his anointing. And I have the fact that he's called me, that he's accepted me. We were singing all those songs this morning, and I started thanking God because we are called. You're called. Come on, somebody. you got to recognize this morning you've been called by God. And there is a plan and there is a purpose for your life. And it's not all up to the ones who grab the microphone to get this thing done. 
Because we're a team. <laughs> you know, we're a team. And I began to recognize that I'm not excused from ministry outside of these walls. And so I started reaching out to all my neighbors, started inviting them, started uh, talking to them about faith and letting them know who I am and what I'm about. And that's not always fun because sometimes people come with preconceived ideas of, of what that means. Before you can even get a word in, it's like, you're a Christian, shut door. Right? But I'm learning to trust in God every day, every moment. Not just when it hits the, the road, not just when there's a bump, not just when there's a blip, but each moment, day by day, Lord, I'm trusting you. Lord, I'm walking this thing out. I want to live by faith. I want to be known as a man of faith, and I want to have a legacy of faith. So it's easy to talk about walking by faith, but it's quite another to actually be doing it. And that was my intro, and I have a few minutes left. If you have your Bible today, I'd ask you to turn it to Matthew 14, and we're going to look at a story in Scripture that can be preached a million different ways, but today we're going to look at what it talks about in the sense or the topic of faith. Matthew 14, 22 says this, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost! <laughs> and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, so we got three points today that we're going to just kind of extrapolate from this portion of Scripture. And the first one is this, is if you're going to walk by faith, walking by faith requires vision. It requires vision. Now, if we're going to walk by faith, we must have a vision for our lives. Vision is all about seeing things for the way that they can be, not as they currently are. And I begin to understand that when I give in to the way that things are, right now, and I allow that to either become my source of discouragement or allows me to become complacent, I have stepped out of faith. And so vision for our lives and vision for this church is crucial if we are going to be men and women of faith. So the hockey legend, you all know, uh, our, you know one of our, our, our greatest products coming out of Canada, Wayne Gretzky. You know Wayne Gretzky? What I would say one of the greatest hockey stars of all time. Some would, some would probably want to, you know, talk about numbers and statistics, whatever. I'm going to say it. I think he's the greatest of all time. I mean, they called him the great one. I mean, that was his nickname, right? 
not Sid the Kid, or I don't even know what Ovi's name is. Ovi, I guess that's his name. I don't know. But I would say he was one of the best because when he was playing, he made everybody better around him. But I remember one time there was kind of an interview, and he was asked why he was successful on the ice. And his response always shook me to the core. He said this. He answered, I skate to where the puck is going to be. And this is what made Wayne Gretzky different than every other hockey player, is if you watch his style of playing, he would always be where the puck was going to be. He was ahead of the curve. He didn't wait for the play to happen. He created the play. And all of a sudden, he becomes one of the greatest ones. And if I think about this, and I apply it to my life with the attitude and the mindset of faith, I'm not where I am right now. Right? I'm believing for bigger and greater things in my life. And I have seen some growth in Capital City Church. And I am delighted with that. But I know that there's more coming. And when I preach and I see empty seats, I don't get discouraged. I get excited. The reason I get excited is because it represents just another person who can come and have their life transformed by the beautiful grace of our Lord Jesus. And so I don't use it as an excuse. I use it as ammunition to get on with the business that God has called me to. So I have vision. I have vision for this church. I have vision for my life. I have vision for my marriage. I have vision for my child. I have vision for Levi's life. Come on. I speak it over him every single day. I begin to declare over him the greatness that God has set aside for him. I begin to declare the purpose and the plan of God over his life. I declare over his life the things that I would like to see manifest. I thank God. I, I, say, I say, Levi, you're a kind boy. And you know what he started doing? This is so funny. I said, Levi, you're a kind boy. He goes, yep. I said, you're a strong boy. Yep. I said, you're a boy that's filled with compassion. Yep. You're a boy who's for others. Yep. You're a leader of all leaders. Yep. 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 Coming from a boy who's just learned how to say no, 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 no. Clean your toys, no. Eat your food, no. Give daddy a hug, no. Turn around, cry a minute compose myself. And from a boy whose favorite word has become no, when I'd begin to declare over his life all the goodness of God, he started agreeing with me. I didn't tell him to do that. Like when he said, yep, I was like, okay, well, let me start to claim more things over you. You're in faith now, boy? All right, let's go. So you got vision. You got to have vision. You got to have a vision for your children. You got to have vision for your children's children. I want to set up a legacy that my boy can just springboard right off. Right? we got to learn how to have vision. Just because it is the way it is don't mean I need to continue to be that way. Some of you have to start believing. Start believing for a bigger and better bank account. Start believing for bonuses and promotions. Start believing for, for, for everything to come together for the business that God has put in your hearts. Maybe it's time you become a boss. Maybe it's time you become a business owner. Start getting a vision for your marriage. What kind of marriage do you want to have? Do you want to have a complacent marriage? Do you want to have a marriage that is filled with bickering and bitterness and all that other stuff? Right? And then you come on Sunday and go, praise the Lord, everything's good. You get in the car and goes, he was talking about you, you know. Chances are I was actually talking about you. Right? What kind of vision? Do you want to have one that's filled with love? It's filled with adventure? Where your companion is your biggest supporter? Start getting a vision. Start laying it out for your life. 
You got to get a vision for your healing. I learned this, right? I learned this. God, I have a vision for my healing. I have a vision for my health. I have, I have a vision for my life. I see where I want to go, and I starting to understand what it's going to take to get there. It's going to take hard work, sacrifice, but it's definitely going to start with vision. A person with vision can see things for what they can be instead of the way they are. I love having faith and vision for people. I meet people, and I, I meet a lot of people in a lot of different places. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there that, that would be labeled within the first meeting. But I like to extrapolate the gold in that person. Right? Was it Kenneth Hagin? They said, well, Kenneth Hagin never said a bad thing about nobody. He spoke so highly, so good about everyone. Someone, was it, is this the story, if I remember correctly, that he'd probably even have something good to say about the devil. And I think he answered by saying, well, he is persistent. Right? I want to be a type of person that sees the good in every situation. They have a vision. Say, Lord, well, that's not the way I thought that it was going to work out, but that's okay. I'm all right with detours, God, because you've got a better plan for my life. When we look at our text, the disciples have been fighting the wind and the waves, and it's about 3 or 6 in the morning, right around that time frame, and they see someone or something that they describe as a ghost. Could you imagine you're fighting the waves in a boat? Right? I don't know if you've ever fought the waves in a boat, but it's not fun. It's scary. It's scary as anything, right? And you're fighting, then all of a sudden, just someone is walking on water. Can you imagine what that would have done to you in that moment? Like, you're probably thinking, I am delusional. I've lost it. I'm crazy. It's probably best that I just jump in the water now. And all of a sudden, they see Jesus, and he reassures them, it is I, right? It is I. That's one of the best things that you could ever hear. It is I. And during this time of fear, during this time, it must have been probably pretty exhausting and, 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 and discouraging the disciples on board. Peter, good old Peter, asks Jesus if he too can walk on the water. See, Jesus, out of everyone, had vision. Now think about this for a moment. Peter is a fisherman. Peter knows that people cannot walk on water. He's probably seen it firsthand. Probably taken a couple dives himself over the course of the history of being a fisherman. And Peter knows that they're out in the middle of the lake, and without a boat holding you up, you are going to get a view of the bottom of that lake. He understands this. He gets it better than anybody. And walking on water made no sense at all, right? Does it make any sense to what you know and understand? Pastor Mike has a, a pool, and every once in a while, I'll just stand to the edge, and I'll just go... You know, I haven't got there yet. I could do it in the wintertime, but I haven't got there yet in the summertime. But it made no sense at all. But Peter had a vision to know that with Jesus, all things were possible. See, Peter gets a bad rap. He takes a lot of heat. But I like Peter, and I think we need a lot more Peters in the church. Peter's the type of guy that was just like ready to fight at all times, had your back no matter what, Right? And would take you at your word. Jesus, if it is you, bid me to come. Jesus says, come. What happens? We know. Goes, right? So people who want to walk by faith cannot have a limited vision. They must realize that all things are possible with God. And I don't know what you're facing today. But I do know this. That things will go better once you begin to get a vision for what you're facing. Once you begin to see yourself as successful, as healed, as delivered, as rescued. Once you begin to see yourself as whole and healthy and you get a vision, 
all of a sudden things begin to fall into place. God now has something to work with. Number two, walking by faith requires courageous action. It requires not just action, but I would say it, it requires courageous action. It was early in the morning and the disciples had been fighting the wind and the waves for a long time. And they had just had the scare of their life when they misunderstand the fact that it's not a ghost, it's actually Jesus, their Lord and Savior. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And I always wonder, what did that look like? Was it like a graceful, was it a moment of like looking around, looking at Jesus, just stepping out gracefully? Did he try to cannonball in? Did, was there like imaginary stairs that kind of led out? I always imagine what is going on here with Peter. But somehow, some way, Peter gets up and he gets out of the boat. And I love this. Because Peter could have been like trying to be all show-offy and be like, Jesus, if it's you, invite me to come. And looking at the guys, be like, <laughs> yeah. And Jesus is like, yeah, it's me, come. He's like, uh-oh. He's like, no, it's cool, it's cool. I just wanted to know if it was you. Yeah, it's all right. It's cool. It's good. We're cool. Hey, Jesus, do you think maybe we could do something about this storm? You know, because Peter's always the one speaking ahead of his turn, always saying things that are probably inappropriate at times that are inappropriate. Peter's the type of guy that you probably wouldn't want to bring to a fancy dinner because you know you get in some sort of trouble. Say something. Do something. Right? But here he is. Steps out of the boat. Took probably the most courageous amount of faith to step out of that boat. A seasoned, lifelong fisherman defying all odds, defying science, defying the laws of gravity, defying buoyancy, defying it all. Steps out and goes, well, I guess I have nothing and everything to lose all at the same time. But if he says who he says he is, and I've seen him do a lot of things. They had just seen Jesus feed the thousands with a couple pieces of bread and a few fish. He says, well, he did that. Let's see what happens here. Steps out and all of a sudden begins to walk. I know, I know. Many times Jesus had to rein Peter in. Many times he had to like have damage control, chopping people's ears off, getting in brawls, saying things out of turn. I know that some would probably even probably say that Jesus, you know, would have had to put a short leash on Peter. But even with this story, Peter sometimes get a bad rap for letting his faith dwindle. Even Jesus said, like, why, why did you have such little faith? You were doing it, right? Why, why, why did you look around at the boisterous winds and, 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 and all of a sudden stop trusting me and start trusting your instincts? I know this happened, but let me ask you a question for real this morning. Who really failed that day? Who really failed? Was it Peter for sinking? Or was it the rest of the disciples for staying in the boat? Right? They all had the same opportunity. They all served the same Jesus. They had all seen with their eyes what he was capable of doing. It might just be the competitive nature inside of me, 
But if I saw Peter take a couple steps, you know for a fact I'd be taking try to at least get one more in than he did. He did it. What did he do wrong? What happened? Oh, he took his eyes off Jesus. Okay, let me. Jesus, if it's you, can I come too? Right? Yeah, come. Okay, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And can I tell you, church, the secret to having a life of faith? Keep your eyes on Jesus. 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 For the minute that you take your eyes off Jesus and begin to look at your circumstances and your situation, just like Peter is the moment that you begin to sink. But I thank God that Jesus was so merciful that even at the sinking, at least Peter was smart enough as he was starting to go down, say, Jesus, save me! Jesus reaches down. And here's the thing I begin to notice is that Peter was so close to Jesus. It didn't say that Jesus had to walk to him or run to him to rescue him. The Bible just says that Jesus reached down. Peter was so close to Jesus. But all it took was one moment of taking his eyes off of Jesus. This morning, I'm challenging you. Wherever you're at, whatever's happening, whatever's going on, good or bad, keep your eyes on Jesus. Be thankful for what you have. Don't focus on what you don't. Be thankful for what God has done in your life. Be thankful for the miracles that transpire each and every day because i got to tell you, church, they're happening all around you each and every day. God is completely and utterly in love with you and does miracles all around you. I'll tell you this much. I would rather sing in the presence of Jesus while trying to grow in my faith than die in a boat of complacency. I know it's scary. I know it doesn't make sense. It makes absolute no sense that God would call a chump like me into ministry. And my whole salvation story makes no sense. The way I got saved, the way God set me on a trajectory, the fact that I had obstacle upon obstacle upon obstacle set up against my life, and yet I'm still standing. It makes no sense, but then again, it makes complete sense. Because God is the master at taking people just like me and just like you, and with a mustard seed of faith, setting them up in ways that people just go, huh? Look at the Bible. From beginning to end, it's filled with stories of people that had no rights, no business doing what they did. But with a little bit of faith and a lot of grace, God can do the impossible. And he wants to do it in you. And he wants to do it through you. Walking by faith, it's going to take courage. I'd rather fail moving forward than be paralyzed with fear and never make an impact. I would rather fail moving forward with God than being paralyzed by fear. Lastly, and we'll finish with this. Walking by faith requires focus. And do you know what? Almost every assignment of the pit of hell is against. It's against your focus. 
Everything in this world right now is competing for your attention and your focus. Almost so much so that it's so hard to operate in today's society. You have everything screaming at you. You have the media. You have social media. You have friends. You put one nice thing up on Facebook and you get 42 negative comments on how you're wrong and how this and how that and yada, yada, yada. And all you want to do is just celebrate something. It could paralyze us to the point of we don't know what to do and so we become inactive with our faith. But those who keep their gaze and their focus on Jesus will understand the assignments. They'll begin to understand that we don't answer to those naysayers. We don't answer to those voices who are crying, you'll not do it, you can't do it, you'll never do it. We don't hold account to them. We're accountable to God. And I don't know about you, but the accountability that I have been feeling towards God these days begins to challenge me with my faith. Begins to challenge me. What good is if I have all the faith in the world, but I do nothing with it? It's no good. It's dead faith. Faith without action is dead. So we need focus. What happened to Peter when he got out of the boat? I mentioned it. How far did he get? We don't really know. Was it five feet? Was it 15? Was it half a football field? Was it a crop? We don't know. We do know that the moment that Peter began to consider the boisterous waves, the Bible says, they weren't just any waves. They were boisterous waves. Violent waves. The kind of waves that will flip a boat upside down in a second. Peter started looking around him. And this is where we go wrong. We know what we ought to do. We have the faith to believe, but all of a sudden we, we, we have an inkling of doubt, and so we start trying to look to other sources. Why do we do that? Why is it then what Paul suffered? The things I know I should do, I, I have a hard time doing. And the things I know I shouldn't do, I do. I'm a walking contradiction. But my friends, we will remain victorious only when we keep our eyes on Jesus. Your focus, your attention should be on Him. Him first. Him in the morning. Him during your work. Him with your family. I will tell you this. When you draw near to Jesus, there is no harmful benefit. Your marriage will get better. Your workplace will get better. Your scenarios and situations that you're facing will begin to improve. It can only do so as we draw nearer to Jesus. Peter lost his focus. Peter took his eyes off Jesus and started to look at what was happening around him. And all of a sudden, walking on water didn't seem like such a good idea. <laughs> Which always kind of talks about it's not how you start, but it's how you finish. Started off well, Peter. Finishing was a little rough. But I would imagine that Peter would go back to this in his mind and years later, when he'd be preaching, when he'd be teaching, when he'd be traveling, when he'd face circumstances, and he would remind himself, do you remember that time, Peter? Remember, Peter? You stepped out of the boat. You walked on water. There's two people that can say that. Wow. When we have the vision and the courage to get out of the boat, and then we maintain our focus squarely on Jesus, you and I will become 
what God intended us to be. And that is world changers. That is men and women of God who don't just come to a church service to check it off of our to-do list, but people that come to get ammunition to do damage to the kingdom of darkness the rest of the week. Men and women who are walking it out, not just talking it, but walking it out moment by moment, day by day, with increased fruit to our accounts, changing lives just by the way that we understand and flow with faith. Once we get out of the boats, let me tell you this, the real work begins. That's when it's important that we realize how much we need Jesus to be with us. I love this. If we're going to walk by faith, we need to cup, keep our focus on Jesus. I finish with this scripture found in Hebrews as a reminder to all of us here today. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. My friends, this week, moving forward, the requirements of faith for you, all of you here today, is that you would get a vision, that you would move out on that vision with courageous faith, and that you would keep your focus on Jesus. Everything else becomes a blur. Everything else becomes unimportant. You begin to get set on fire. You watch what God will do with you. Watch what He'll do in you. But even more exciting, watch what He will do through you. So the church needs more water walkers. I think it's time some of us just get up and start walking on water. A few more people to get out of the boats. D.L. Moody, I think, said it this way, the world has yet to see what would happen with a few sold-out people to Jesus. Remember, if you get out of the boat, there is a good chance that you might sink. Could happen. But if you don't get out of the boat, there's a 100% chance you'll never get to walk on water. I don't know about you. I want to be a water walker. I want, a people, I want to be a people that go for it that throw all caution to the wind and say, Jesus, here I am. Let's do it. Let's see what will happen. Amen? Listen, maybe you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. We've been talking about faith all morning. The Bible's simply clear. We're all in trouble. None of us on the best day that we could present before Him would make the cut, would meet the demands. But the good news is, is that Jesus could and did and in our place took the punishment that was rightfully ours and in a moment of just such amazing love and grace became the substitution for you and for I so that you and I could be restored to our Heavenly Father see sin has separated us 
We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Each one of us here. Not one of us is perfect. But the good news is, is that Jesus is. And has paid the price for us. The Bible's clear if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that He is Lord, we shall be saved. Anyone who calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved, the Bible says. And so as an act of faith this morning, maybe you're here today, you've never made that choice, you've never really made that decision, or maybe you have, but for one reason or another, you've allowed the boisterous winds of life to get your eyes off of Jesus. Well, today is the day to refocus. Today is the day to come home. And we do that by simply saying a prayer. We all say together, and I'll ask you to put that prayer on the back wall there. We'll say this together. Say, Jesus, thank you for paying the price for my salvation. I ask you to forgive me of every sin. I repent, and I'm purposing to change the way I think and live. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, help me to learn about you and to grow in this kingdom lifestyle. I declare that you're my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. And he does receive you today. If you said that prayer for the very first time, I'd encourage you. Let us know. Share with one of the pastors that you've decided to follow Jesus today. Let someone know. Maybe someone brought you today. Maybe you're online. The best thing you can do is share that with someone. And let us help you get started on this journey of faith in Jesus. Amen.